At the waters of our baptism, we were signed for the very first time with the cross of Jesus. Let us remember and begin again in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. And with your spirit. Let's begin with these words of deliverance from Psalm 25. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Let's pray this prayer from St. Augustine that goes all the way back to the 4th century. God of our life, 
There are days when the burdens we carry chafe our shoulders and weigh us down. When the road seems dreary and endless, the skies gray and threatening. When our lives have no music in them, and our hearts are lonely, and our souls have lost their courage. Flood the path with light. Turn our eyes to where the skies are full of promise. Tune our hearts to brave music. Give us the sense of companionship with heroes and saints of every age. And so quicken our spirits that we may be able to encourage the souls of all who journey with us on the road of life to your honor and glory. Amen. The book of Exodus tells of the Israelites' escape from Egypt and their wanderings in the wilderness. Their trials during that time, the way they faced them, and the way God responded, provided future generations with food for thought whenever they faced difficulties. A reading from the book of Exodus. In the wilderness, the people thirsted for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Word of the Lord.
In writing to the Romans, Paul is dealing with a community he had not yet visited. Many Roman Christians were converts from Judaism who believed they would be saved by how they lived out the Jewish law. Paul stresses here, as he does frequently in his writings, that Christians are saved not by the law, but by faith. Faith in what Jesus accomplished by his dying and rising. 
a reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our own hope of sharing the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to John. Glory, Glory to you, o Lord. Lord. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his children and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give you will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, 
you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished to see that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you remember where you met your spouse? Do you remember the day? 
the place, what time of day. Israel thought of their relationship to God like bride to a bridegroom. We're back to the Gospel of John for these three Sundays in Lent. And in John's Gospel, there are seven signs. Seven, of course, is a whole number. Creation was completed on the seventh day. The very first of the seven signs, you might remember, was the wedding feast at Cana when Jesus turned the water into wine. If you remember that story, there were six stone water jars used for purification. Six water jars. Only one more is needed to complete the number seven. Although we don't see the bridegroom, John is suggesting that the one who provides the good wine is the real bridegroom. Abundant water is first mentioned in connection with John the Baptist, who is baptizing with water. Just a few verses before today's gospel, John says very clearly that he is not the Messiah, but the one sent ahead of him. And then he says of Jesus, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The great patriarch Jacob met his wife, Rachel, at a well. You wouldn't believe what time of day it was. Right in the middle of the day, the hour was about noon. A Jewish man meets a woman at a well. Obviously, they're going to get married. So Jesus, the bridegroom, is looking for a bride, and the best place to find a bride is at a well. They didn't have movie theaters or shopping centers or bars, but everyone has to come to the well to drink. But why this woman? Why a Samaritan? The verse just before today's gospel begins, we are told Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. Jesus literally crosses a geographical border when he goes from Judea to Samaria on his way to Galilee. He crosses ethnic, political, religious borders by being a Jew, interacting with a Samaritan. In the text, if you remember, John tells us that Jews and Samaritans don't share things in common. That's the understatement of the century. They are bitter enemies. Samaria was part of the northern kingdom that was invaded by the Assyrians a couple of centuries before the southern kingdom in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. The Assyrians brought in immigrants to intermarry with the Samaritans. The immigrants came with their own religions, their own gods, probably five different idols. In the eyes of the Jews, the Samaritans worshipped of these five idols meant their worship of Yahweh was not authentic. The woman, according to Jesus, has had five husbands, and the one she has now is not her husband. So, altogether, she has had six husbands. When the Messiah comes, he will gather together what has been scattered 
In John 12, verse 32, Jesus says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So Jesus had to go through Samaria because there were people there who had been cut off, scattered, and abandoned. There is no one outside of God's love, no one who is excluded. God in Jesus comes to seek out and save the lost, to gather together what has been scattered and restore the covenant in becoming the bridegroom. The woman has had six husbands, the incomplete number, so Jesus becomes the seventh, the true bridegroom. At Cana, there were six stone water jars, but the woman leaves her water jar and goes to tell the Samaritans about a man who told her everything she'd ever done. This completes the seven water jars. At the end of John's gospel, we find Jesus thirsting again at the hour of the cross. And interestingly enough, in John 19, we note the hour was about noon. And after this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus drinks poor tasting wine, not like the good wine of Cana, but creation is finished. The work of the one who sent him is completed. And when Jesus pours out his spirit, water and blood flow from his side. It's a birthing image. On the cross, Jesus gives living water flowing from his side. On our pilgrimages to Israel, we begin our trip at the airport singing Psalm 42. Like a deer that longs for running streams, my soul thirsts for you, my God. Inside all of us is a great longing and emptiness, a hole that only God can fill. This holy longing is part of our humanity, a dimension of our spiritual life. In the desert, it was the lack of water that started the Israelites grumbling against Moses. But in the end, we're left with this question. Is the Lord in our midst or not? Our deepest longing, our greatest thirst is for God. Nadia Bowles-Weber reminds us that water finds its lowest point and living water, she said, finds your lowest point. I think this is what happened to the woman at the well. I think living water found a crack in her defenses and trickled down to her lowest point, her deepest wound, her greatest need. And she finally exhaled. In fact, she relaxed so much, she totally left her water jar at the well. Nadia continues, I've always seen her water jar as a metaphor for what we think will quench our thirst, but never does. Things I think will make me whole, hide my wound, make me lovable. Because being known and loved and forgiven 
in our true form by our true God can quench our spiritual thirst in a way that no amount of success or admiration or romantic love or social justice work ever can. This is how seen you are by God, that whatever that lowest point of you is, whatever the deepest wound, the greatest sin, the damaged thing in you, is the living water of Christ, compassion will find it. You can just leave your water jars behind.
Let us pray to God, whose love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For the church, God's holy people, as we strive to be an oasis of compassion in a world parched of love. refuge and our shield, even when we walk in the shadow of death, you are there at our side. Be with your people in this time of danger. Bring strength to the afflicted and protection to those untouched by disease. Give us love and courage that we may trust in your power to save and reach out to all who need our care. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. 
it seems that we won't be gathering together again for a few weeks. The next two Sundays of Lent and even Palm Sunday weekend, we'll hopefully be able to, to pray together through this medium. And we're planning to have Taze prayer on Tuesday night, either by podcast or live streaming. We'll announce that uh, this week. The Archbishop, of course, is hoping we'll be able to gather again as a community during Holy Week. But in the meantime, just as at your home, there are the usual expenses and bills to pay. We will be paying salaries and bills even while we're all away. So if you're able to continue to support the parish during this time, I encourage you to, one, uh, drop off your envelope during the week. The church will be open for private prayer. You can pick up a bulletin. You can also drop your envelope in the mail. Two, you could use an online bill paying program, uh, either through your bank or your credit union. Number three, you can use the parish online giving app, which is on our website, ctredeemer.org, under giving. And we also accept gifts through text. You just send a text with a dollar amount. The number is 248-600-5391. This is your first time you'll fill out a short form with your billing information. Uh, we thank you for your faithful stewardship. And the only announcement that we have, because pretty much everything is canceled, but I think Monica's wedding is coming up May 26th. So Monica is the woman who sang like a deer, with such a beautiful voice. So we're going to pray a blessing for Monica and her fiancé. May our God bless and keep you. May the face of God shine upon you and be gracious to Almighty God bless all of us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We go in peace, beloved by our God. Thanks, 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 thanks to God. God. Come blessing our failings with mercy.